Good afternoon, everybody. You're listening to Spirit Live Radio. I am your host for Take to Take, Nick Robinson, joined alongside always by Luke Burrows and Patrick Tallon. Um, in this week, we've got a couple of things we're going to cover. We're going to go through the NHLPA's recent player polls that were released. We're going to go into some prospect talk for the first time ever on this show. And we're going to do a bit of a news round of the NHL and what's going on in the world of hockey today. So, we're going to start off now. Luke is going to guide us through the NHL player polls. We're just going to go through them, what was said, some of the big answers, and uh, we're each going to give some intake, some opinion on what we think some of the answers to the question should be. But these are always interesting, and uh, hope everybody enjoys this. Absolutely. So, um, the Athletic did a player poll a few weeks back, and we covered a little bit of that, but the NHLPA is the one that does it annually, and generally they're a bit more in-depth, and they get a, a few more questions in. So, uh, for the next little bit, we'll just cover all of um, all of the, the questions asked here, and starting with uh, best forward. So, best forward, um, now let me just preface by saying roughly... Uh, anywhere it looks like from 200 to just over 500 players um, answered each question. Um, some of the more controversial questions were uh, avoided, it looks like. But best forward, 63%, two-thirds, or just under two-thirds of the league, uh, Connor McDavid, followed by Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov, and Alexander Barkov. Um, gentlemen, I mean, I think that's that's a pretty pretty general uh poll nothing too shocking yeah i don't think there's much debate on that one i think uh conrick david's really cemented himself i think there was a bit more in the past couple years a bit more pull in terms of uh the mcdavid versus crosby bet but i think it's pretty undisputed now that one has clearly surpassed the other uh good to see nathan mckinnon and alexander barkov getting some respect for me yeah i mcdavid can't really debate yeah that's a pretty that's and a pretty i think we'll talk about barkov later and the underrated aspect of will. him way to spoil that yeah um, <laughs> best defenseman up next it's um victor hedman 31 percent, followed by drew doughty i find that a bit interesting yeah, that's a bit uh a bit brent burns eric carlson and roman yossi <laughs> i know nick's just fuming right um, now um if we were going to go for the biggest defensive crybaby award, <laughs> then I think Drew Doughty would be hovering uh, after his comments yesterday. We'll get into that later in the show. But um, uh, I think most of the time, you know, I'll just give my thoughts on these types of polls right away. I think most of these end up being like a crapshoot for the most part. Yeah. The uh, player polls, they seem pretty bad at evaluating their own talent yep. and own sport most of the time. This is one I particularly disagree with. Um, yeah. We, I've, I've gone on the record on this show before about being an Eric Carlson fan and uh, just a little super bit. fan. Just yeah, a little bit, I think yeah. you've mentioned that before. So um, to not see him at the top is a little shocking for me, but, uh, I mean, teach their own. All right, up next, um, best goalie, Carey Price, 30%. Yes. Pecorine, 17.3, followed very closely by Andre Vasilevsky and then Marc-Andre Fleury and Sergei Bobrovsky. And what's interesting about this one, um, Price, this is his second year in a row at the top of this category. Yeah. Quick, Jonathan Quick was second last year, did not rank top five this year. Um, most likely was, either sixth or seventh, but uh, not in the category. I mean, obviously, LA is having a bad year, um, but... I still think Jonathan Quick's a pretty good goalie. I, yeah, I know I consistency has been an issue for the past couple of years, but that's also a product of being on such a 
lousy team, but I think Price being number one, that's obvious. I think. No, of he, course. Well, he's no, well, he no, but he started off. He had yeah, a rough yeah. start, and um, he didn't look. He had the knee injury earlier this year, and he's bounced back. And he's kind of at this point, at this juncture, he's kind of like single-handedly carrying them if they get to the playoffs. But he's been their MVP since the new year. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, Carey Price obviously still gets that uh, large amount of respect from his peers, and rightfully so. And, uh, yeah, not much to debate on that one for me. Up next, who has the best shot? 50% of the 486 votes, Alex Ovechkin. Um, second place, Shea Weber with 14.6, followed by Patrick Laine, Austin Matthews, and Steven Stamkos coming in at fifth. That's a, not a tricky one, but I think, well, Shea Weber always has the hardest shot, but he's not necessarily the shot I want if I were to narrow it down. Um, he doesn't always get it off in time. So yeah, is it hardest th- shot or like best It shooter? says best shot. Um, now what I think you need to consider when you're looking at this one, um, forwards and defensemen have, I mean, a good shot for a forward, hopefully isn't the same kind of no. good shot that a defenseman has. So no. um, it's a little bit variable when you're comparing them. I think a good shot on a forward is more valuable. Yeah. Um, but it's still interesting that Shea Weber's there. Yeah, I'd say Ovechkin at number one easily. Yeah, again, not much to bait. That that one's pretty straightforward. Um, I put Matthews as a close second as well. Yeah, I that that was the one for me. I thought he was going to be up there. That, pull, uh, that little pullback wrister he does, yeah. I think it's starting to grab quite the reputation around the league yeah. so it's so satisfying to watch yeah too. oh yeah it's never get tired of it yeah no it's 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 nice it's nice already up next most underrated player oh <laughs> no i know what you're gonna say i what? just already have barkov right Alexander yeah yeah for, the, for those of you listening um luke and i did read ahead uh <laughs> yeah. on the article so patrick, no, patrick I, knew, are, I knew it was barkov these are, i knew it was gonna say i knew they were gonna say yeah barkov. So, these are these are patrick's genuine reactions to uh the player polls here that you're listening to yes, and I uh not, i did not so <laughs> alexander barkov 21.5 percent coming in first nicholas backstrom second Braden point Braden point third evgeny kudzatsov fourth and miko rantanin fifth i like that Rantanen pick. there's been an, a lot of talk about barkov being underrated for so long it's at the point now where everyone talks about him being underrated that he gets enough exposure as not underrated anymore he's very good one of the best centers well yeah how long um, how long can you call someone yeah, underrated before it, well it's the market it's the market right and if we want to talk about someone underrated on the florida panthers i wouldn't look at barkov i would look at vincent trocek a very solid center he had yes. 75 points uh was it last year yeah last year um and I don't think people realized how high his ceiling was going to be, but I think he surpassed expectations a little bit. And he's definitely a forward I'd look to as someone who's actually underrated because he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I believe he's injured this year. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he's he only played 49 pretty, games. Pretty, yeah. yeah, that uh, was perfect the... leg injury against yeah. Ottawa earlier yeah. in the year. Yeah, um, I, I like the point you made, Patrick. You sort of touched on it there um, with Alexander Barkov. And yeah, you're right. He definitely is now to the point where we talk about Alex Barkov being underrated so much to the fact where he is mainstream talk yeah, now. yeah and i but think he's everyone starts to recognize because he's underrated he's so it's mainstream a little... because he's underrated it's yeah. it is a weird mix but i think i i do think alexander barkov's getting the recognition yeah. now that he yeah. deserves yes. if you asked me this two years ago is alex barkov underrated well absolutely but now what's interesting um backstrom won last year Jaden Schwartz was in second which i wasn't expecting but um Bar- uh, barkov was fourth um, and then he dominated this year, so yeah. he's definitely getting yeah. getting the recognition he deserves. Um, up next, who is the most difficult player to play against? Um, 
Connor McDavid, 30%. Yeah. Sidney Crosby, 16%. Patrice Bergeron, Nathan McKinnon, Anze Kopitar. Um, <coughs> Crosby and McDavid basically tied last year, both around 30%. And then McDavid just sort of runs away with it this year. Well, I think that's like Crosby's pl- playoffs or playoffs come around and Crosby just turns it to another level every single time. And it's actually insane to watch. So I think there's a bit of big takeaway for me here uh th- this just in newsflash nhl gms your gritty fourth line shutdown <laughs> center is not difficult to play against uh your high-end skilled players your elite talents they are hard to play against yeah i think this one speaks volumes i don't think uh i don't know i'll use the habs as an example yes use i the don't, habs I as don't example. think i don't think any of the players were saying Wow, crap! I, I really hate playing against Jordan Wheel. <laughs> or I, I that that's the player I hate playing against. Well, okay, or I think I would Nick Delorier. Yeah, it's more so towards the Deloriers, the Andreas Martinsons, the Dwight Kings, the Holy Steve. Holy smokes, Andreas Martinson! Um, yeah, that was a brutal trade. Those are the players. He's like, it makes it tough to play against a crash and bang fourth line, um, which kind of goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago about the more statistical aspect of it. Is that players with speed and skill who aren't overvalued because of their size because they're over six feet are the hardest ones to play against and we've seen teams who actually balance out their lines with offensive forwards uh skilled fourth line end up having the most success and that's like you said you're talking about montreal and that's been clear since bergevin took helm as general manager it's just a swap of fourth liners and we're seeing it again so i've got a point on this but i'm gonna wait till we get past the next one because i think it sort of goes hand in hand who would you start a franchise with yeah uh First overall, Connor McDavid, 60%. Sidney Crosby, 18.5. And then drops down uh, Austin Matthews, Patrice Bergeron, Nathan McKinnon. Um, for me, I think... I think one... No, I, it's... This isn't... Not everything's an Eric Carlson thing. Most things show. are, but not it, In my head, they are, but not on this show. <laughs> um, he doesn't play for Ottawa anymore. Thank you, Patrick. He doesn't? No, he got... He's not, oh. there, he's not there anymore. All right. Uh, <laughs> to, to my point... Um, <laughs> The, the thing I found shocking about this, the, the most difficult player to play against or the player you would like to start a franchise with, is that there were no defensemen on the, uh, on the top five. I would have figured there would have at least been one uh, mentioned there at some point, but I think it just goes to show you that the NHL players like to, uh, I don't know, I think the forwards are just more so the mainstream building blocks yeah, I and think I, the players associate with. I don't think that's a knock to defensemen. No, I just no. think it's... Um, you don't really consider defensemen someone you'd, unless they're in, absolutely incredible, you don't really consider defensemen yeah. to be someone you'd build a franchise. Yeah, no, I, I just found that. That was like that was a big takeaway for me out of it these is two questions. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting thing to see. Uh, next up, who is the game's best trash talker? First, Brad Marchand, Drew Doughty, Ryan Reeves, Claude Giroux, Nick Cousins. And I'm just going to tie this into the next question. Who is the game's worst trash talker? Brad Marchand, Antoine Roussel, P.K. Subban, Nick Cousins, Brendan Lemieux. Is P.K. Subban a trash talker? I, I, you know what? I, I think I, who is the game's worst trash talker? I think that question uh, kind of translates. Now, let me say only 256 people voted, which is under half of who was polled. But um, I think that question sort of translates to who are you most annoyed with? Who do you not like in the um, league? I, I can't believe your first takeaway out of this was to jump to Subban. Um, is he a tra- Bra- I, no, Brad, I, I, Brad Marshand winning both is hilarious. That's the best part of this. Well, that, I, don't that, think, that I think it, it's not just trash talking. It's the entire licking aspect of, that we saw last yeah, year. I, yeah, I guess p- players are going to associate that. Um, Drew Doughty yeah. should have won the worst trash talker after his comments yesterday. But again, folks, we're going to get to that. Yes. We're going to get to that a little later in the show. But, uh, yeah. 
Um, so let's just let's burn through some of these uh, lesser questions. Who would make the best TV analyst once they retire? P.K. Subban, followed by Keith Yandel, Ryan Reeves, Ron Hainsey, and Alex Daylock. Now, this is interesting. Um, I mean, P.K. Subban kind of makes sense. Keith Yandel, you hear about as well. Um, but some of those people, I feel like you have to be in the NHL to sort of know yeah. why they're voting them. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of the personality of Alex Daylock, but... Neither Ron Hainsey? Um, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I know about Ron Hainsey is the crap that Leaf fans give him after absolutely every game. Um, Ryan Reeves, I can see becoming yeah. like another uh, Paul Bissonette, as yeah. in he yeah, runs exactly. like a big entertainment yeah. portion while holding like a serious job. Like I can see Ryan Reeves retiring and working for the Vegas Golden Knights, like TV crew or something, yeah. like Bissonette does with the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Um, I can also see him probably holding some sort of offensive podcast that would uh, that that that's that seems like something he'd do. But PK Subban, obviously, the guy's yeah. got the best personality in the NHL right yeah. now. Um, I'd be interested to hear more about uh, some of this Alex Stalock stuff because yeah. for yeah, two percent, two percent of players pulled. Like I, I know it's two percent, two hundred ninety-six people. Yeah, like I'd like to know who was voting for him. Um, who would make the best NHL GM once they retire? Five point five percent, Sidney Crosby, uh, followed by Jason Spezza, Brooks Orpik, Mark Scheifele, Derek Stepan. Uh, Brooks Orpik, no thank you to that. Um, he seems like the prototypical old school. I'm not sure if it's just because he's a bad hockey player that I wouldn't want him anywhere near my front office. But, um, yeah, Crosby, smart guy. Yeah. The the Spezza being a uh, hockey executive is something that that one's been circling around for quite a while, like pretty much throughout his playing career. Obviously, very respected mind of the game. And the other one for me that I like is Mark Scheifele. I'm not sure if you guys read it last year. He, did, uh, he wrote an article in the Players' Tribune about uh, some of... Uh, the players he comes up against in the league and what his thoughts were on them. And it was really interesting to read that from a player's perspective. Like, he's obviously a hockey fanatic when you read stuff from Mark Shifley. Yeah. The guy lives and breathes the game. He says he watches the other teams, other games, no matter what. So it's interesting to hear that perspective. He seems like a good hockey mind. And Stepan is one I do hear a lot. I watched, I've watched a fair number of Coyotes games this year, and they talk about it on the broadcast all the time, but what a smart player he is. So... I, I, I like all those picks. It'd be interesting to see uh, who does exactly end up in front offices after their career. Funniest player, Keith Yandel, 12.1%. Drew Doughty, 7.8%. Dustin Bufflin, Brent Burns, Dan Girardi. Dustin Bufflin for my pick. I, I hear a lot about Keith Yandel. I don't know. I don't really. I, I don't find Drew Doughty makes sense as well. Is he he's funny? Just, I don't find him funny. I don't know if he's funny, but he's very... I think like he's you in, see him when they, when they mic people up at the All-Star Games or something, he's kind of going around. I think he's irritating. And that's probably some recency bias. Because I think he's a whiner, but again, for the third time, <laughs> it'd be interesting. We're to gonna s- get to, that. to see uh, if we had the show twenty four hours ago. What would uh, Nico said? But well, it's not the first time he's. he's I, I've, off, I've made though. my it's thoughts not... on Drew Doughty clear on this show before, and on Twitter, and on Twitter. Who is the best current female hockey player? Twenty eight percent Hillary Knight, twenty four percent Marie Philippe Poulin, twelve point eight percent Amanda Kessel, five point nine Kendall Coyne Schofield. And 5.9 as well, Emily Falls. Come on, guys. We're Canadians here. It's Marie Philippe. Yeah. Poulain. She, she, um, there was a good article in The Athletic I read, uh, and, uh, how, uh, Marie Philippe Poulain is making a case for the one of the greatest women's hockey players of all time. I think she sort of gets outshone because she spent sort of, uh, the early stages of her career with the Canadian women's team while Haley Wickenheiser was in the really back end of hers. And there was all the celebration constantly of 
what Wickenheiser did for the women's game, and obviously it's a huge part, but I think it sort of outshone Marie-Philippe Poulain a bit. But uh, I, she's number one. Yeah, we're, we're th- this is a Canadian program, so yeah. Yeah. we're not we're not going to endorse Hillary Knight and any Americans here. No, I'm kidding. But um, interesting, yes or no question: Would you be in favor of a regular season similar to MLB Players Weekend, featuring nicknames? Um, a regular season game, pardon me, featuring nicknames on jerseys, etc. Now, Patrick, have you seen the results for this? Tuna tartar. Have you seen? Yeah, have you seen? Have you seen it? the yeah, player it's results? The picture. It's uh, it's Thomas Tatar, isn't it? Yeah. What's your opinion on this? On having nicknames in the back of their jerseys for a legit game, like MLB Players Weekend. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't. Okay. It was uh, 60, I love it. 66.8 percent. Yes. 33.2 percent. No. I don't see why not. <sighs> yeah. Like, the oh. the MLB did such a good job with it. They redesigned. They redesigned like fun looking jerseys for every team. I would love the NHL needs more uniforms. I know. Everybody's going to point to the traditionalism of the sport, but the NBA does it better than anybody. The jerseys that they release constantly throughout each yeah. season are gorgeous most of the time. Like the Raptors four jerseys this year are like all yeah. great. So if we could get like four or five jerseys for every team, I like I Gary Bettman, I will pour out my wallet. Do it, make it happen. Hockey nicknames are so like repetitive and kind yeah, of Yeah, they are. It's all always the like same. Shawzer, Pricer, Willie like it's just tuna. No, that's more. That's one of the more. Original I like that. Ones. Tuna I like tartar. That that's tuna, solid. Tuna like tatar. I I like that yeah, one. That's, that's one of that's the more fun. creative ones. I like I like my favorite one on the Senators, uh, John Gabriel Pajot. They call him Pager Train. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, I like that one. Up next into arenas and teams. Uh, which arena has the best atmosphere? Forty-two point five percent T-Mobile Arena home of the Golden Knights, followed by Bell Center, Bridgestone Arena, United Center, and Bell MTS Place. Um, what is interesting, Vegas ran away with this year. Chicago won the best fans category, and from what last year, and what, from what I could gather, um, it's pretty much the same thing. They came fourth this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any surprise that uh, the Golden Knights... Well, Vegas kind of like disrupted the regular system of, of an opening playoff ceremony yeah. with their the Knights and all that stuff, and I think that was pretty exciting gets the fans into it uh nashville was there right was nashville in the top five uh yeah yes. there was nashville nashville, was bridgestone, was nashville there. bridgestone puts on a show as well so i definitely say those two would be yeah i five. i for me this this question is usually like the biggest recency bias um <clears throat> obviously because the blackhawks are no longer what they once were they they like literally taught this question for like 10 years yeah but um no i don't disagree with vegas being right up there i've said it before i the next game I want to see is a game in Las Vegas. Yeah, I think that's on a lot of people's bucket list for sure. Yeah. Um, which arena has the best ice for the second year in a row? Bell Center with 30%, followed by Rogers Place, uh, home of the Oilers, and then Bell MTS Place, XL Energy Center, and T-Mobile Arena. I mean, it's uh, ice. We don't can, really... can any of us really comment on that one? Let's just yeah. keep it moving. Well, I good, good to I know. I thought we'd stick on that for a few minutes. Good to know. Who has? Uh, who is the best NHL team mascot? With um, 69.4% gritty, followed by next highest, 2.7%, Carlton the Bear, UP. Yes. Uh, UP with an exclamation mark. Um, That's Nash, what it is. And yeah, his, yeah, exclamation part is a part of his name. And yeah. I'm going to go UP because, no, rough story for him. You have to him. say, like, UP. UP, yeah, because okay. he, a little bit of a rough story. He had a rough patch uh, earlier yeah, on in his like life. Abs. Um, he was the mascot for the Expos. And when they folded, Yuppie was unemployed for a little bit, living on the streets. There's, there's, a, there's a story on it, and um, they hired him, and now he's living the dream. You know he's not like a real creature, right? Well, 
And fifth was Victory Green of the Dallas Stars. Um, um, no surprise who tops that, though. I mean, Gritty. Gr- Gritty's the best, man. But uh, just honorable mention to him, just because I think he has the best name, is uh, Stanley C. Panther, the uh, the Panthers mascot. I, I, I think that's hilarious still, but um, I don't like Carlton the Bear. I, I, I still don't understand what he has to do with Maple Leafs. Um, I don't really know what UP has to do with the Habs. Um, at least Gritty kind of looks like a scary hockey thing. Well, Gritty is just kind of a knockoff. I don't know what he has to do with Flyers. Gritty is a I'm knockoff. Not sure what Gritty has to do. With well, what does what does Carlton the Bear have to do with Toronto? Yeah, I don't know. They don't doesn't always make sense. Uh, as somebody who lives, Carlton, lives near Toronto, what's Columbus as again? Carlton is where the Mac is, where the Leafs used to. Okay, that's actually. I, I like so. Nash because Carlton's he's true. actually like a predator. Okay. So yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Next up, off ice, who is the best dressed player? 26% Henrik Lundqvist, followed by P.K. Subban, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Tyler Sagan. I yeah, that's, think yeah. that's all okay. All right, I'm going to say it again. Eric Carlson got underrated here. I'm not sure if you guys see. But, the, I mean, our, we, we live pretty close to the Eaton <laughs> Center here. I'm not sure if you guys ever walked by the RW and Co. They've got Eric Carlson plastered all over that Subban place. Too. Subban's that, a sponsor. That man, yeah, so, okay, is, so well, is Mark Scheifele. Nick, then um, let me just jump to the next one here. Who has the best hair in the league with 18.4%. Uh, three times above the second place, Eric Carlson. I disagree. Followed what? by Henrik I... Lundqvist, William Carlson, Brent Burns, and William Nylander. Like, why? What about Granlund? Besser? Or Besser, yeah. No, I, Carl, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Brock, why is Brock Besser. There? Brock Besser looks like a homeless Thor to me. <laughs> Nick, can you <laughs> cut your own mic? <laughs> um, He's no, not w- Eric William Carlson. Nylander's there because William Nylander's pretty, like, I don't, I don't know. William Neal is just a good-looking guy. I'm not sure if you guys saw that picture of him yesterday at the We're in the media. <laughs> what was, was like that? Okay, I don't normally like uh, Steve Dangle or like m- most of the stuff he posts, but he posted a tweet yesterday like that made me like him. Like I, I legitimately looked at the tweet and I laughed out loud. Let me find it here. I'm trying to find it. It was here. It is. Um, William Nylander yesterday with his beard, his like really round glasses and his toque. Before his contract was signed, William Nylander worked at the Liberty Village Balzacs, like the <laughs> coffee spot. I legitimately laughed out loud at that and Steve Dangle, we're cool now. We're cool. Okay. Solid. Yeah. Um, up next, who has the best nickname? 5.6% Thomas Tuna Tatar, followed by Artemi Bredman Penner, followed by Marco <laughs> Snacks Dano, or Dano? Uh, Christian Stinky Fisher, Connor McJesus, McDavid. I, I don't really uh, like McDavid's. I don't like. McJesus. I, I get it, but yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I don't really like any of those. But Mc, Mc, I, I, I still think McJesus is pretty funny. Um, but I, as much as a tuna Tatar is creative, like the the bread man's got to win that. Yeah. Because at least like that's a that's not even like a. That's just a, the most creative play on like a last yeah. name I've yeah. ever seen for a nickname. I think that's incredible. But yeah, what is your favorite sport to follow outside of hockey? Thirty percent golf, followed by football, soccer, baseball, basketball. Yeah, I guess they all like to golf. I, I'm yeah. sure twenty nine point four percent of Leaf players also like to. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to check the Leafs <laughs> on the show. Um, yeah, literally, you and I. Um, who is your favorite <laughs> athlete outside of hockey? It's just the top athletes of most of those sports tiger woods roger federer lebron james tom brady Lionel messi yeah tiger woods okay. still gets a lot of respect I'm, I'm surprised lebron james didn't win this because yeah. uh obviously a pretty exalted athlete and uh yeah i like Lionel messi being up there and that just about covers it that is the 
2018, 2019. Fire I wish Pole. they'd do more of this stuff. Yeah. I, I really like these. I wish they'd get sort of maybe start asking questions that are a little... A little more hard-hitting. Cutting to the line. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. But obviously the players aren't in any means required to answer. The votes counts are all over the place. 329, 331. Okay, those are similar. 248, 439. I saw one with like 530. So it's, I don't know, ask questions. If they don't answer, they don't answer. But I'd like to see some some interesting takes. Yeah, I'd like to see I, anything that the NHL can do more to market their players and their athletes better. I'm completely 100% for it. Because like we saw, um, I forget which and but no, it was an NFL player. I forget who they asked. And he said he like just doesn't know any NHL players. And they even went around uh, some reporters at the NFL Combine and asked them to identify NHL players, asked them who Connor McDavid was. Like, none of them know. And that's pretty scary for a top four sports league. Like, I, I, there, there's concerns who with that. Who was recently asked about the NHL and he said he knew Sidney Crosby but hadn't heard of... Uh... McDavid. I again, yeah, I, I think we're talking about the same yeah, thing. I don't yeah. know, but um, anything that the NHL can do like this, I, I like the player perspective yeah. on these types yeah, of things. Absolutely, everything, everything like that. Like I'm sure all of our, our all most NHL teams do kind of some behind the scenes videos on road trips, or Vancouver does um, on the uh, jet they use. They go through and kind of see what everyone's up to, and they're when they're not usually on camera i don't know I, I like that kind of stuff i think it's interesting i think most people would agree so yeah i like again just it's it's fun for us as fans yeah. to sit here get and more of an inside it. look yeah um okay so i think now we're gonna jump into a bit of prospect talk so the dra- trade deadline passed i think it's been about three and a half weeks now yeah, give or take and uh everything's uh every, every team's prospect base sort of settled in after all the movement from the pretty much busiest time of the NHL season. Uh, the NHL draft is just a few months away. and um, Draft fine. lotteries. Yeah, like draft lotteries coming weeks. up. Yeah, looking forward to that. I mean, I'm not really looking I forward to that. I bet you're looking yeah. forward to I'm that. not really looking forward to that, but... Because um, Ottawa doesn't have a first round Ottawa pick Ottawa does this year. not have a first round I don't know if anyone Thanks, knew guys. that. Thanks, guys. Thank Ottawa you. Ottawa does not have a thank, first round thank pick. Thank you. Okay. But, um, but Kachuk, though. Hughes is going to look good in that purple and... Stop. white stop, stop, or whatever stop, stop, color stop, stop, stop. they have okay but no i usually enjoy watching the nhl draft lottery i don't know about you guys I've, I, I well last year i finally got to enjoy it um because montreal was projected to pick around seventh and jump to three so yeah ottawa, like first, ottawa ottawa had two i was really take? hoping they they take take a a uh, i don't think i've heard of him huh. ottawa dropped from two to four i was not happy but um no i remember where i was when new jersey won the draft lottery i was at uh so for dinner with uh with a couple friends and i literally like they don't watch hockey and i there was a tv on in the background i'm like watching out of the corner of my eye then draw the thing and i see them pick new jersey or uh, sorry i first saw them pick philly for three because that means they had won it or no sorry it was dallas for three yeah i'm like oh crap that's huge like that's big that dallas like moving up then they skipped over philadelphia i'm like oh my god they want they won the other one and then new jersey gets skipped over oh my god Colorado dropped from one to four after like the worst season. That was the year they had like 48 points. I was like, oh my God. I was watching that so intently and I'm like freaking out. I had to leave my two friends at the table so I could go call my friend Ryan, who I think is listening today. But uh, I had to get up and leave the table and go outside the restaurant for like 10 minutes and phone him because I was freaking out over the fact that uh, 
the draft already played out that way, but it's entertaining. Okay, back to prospects after uh, fun stories with Nick. But <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I think one that got um, sur- something that rumbled the uh, hockey online community was a couple weeks ago when Sam Cosentino released his draft rankings for March. So he updates these every month. And obviously, if you're unfamiliar with this year's NHL draft, um, there's a lot of conversation around Jack Hughes being the front runner. He's breaking a lot of records in the U.S. national team development program. That program's starting to produce a lot of high-end NHL talent. They're slowly starting to surpass Canada. I think we're seeing less and less uh, Canadian relevance in these drafts. I don't know if you guys have any input on that, but I, th- well, I feel we, like, I I feel like every nation's it. catching up to us. We talked about it earlier, especially Finland and Sweden yeah. um, being more progressive with the prospects they develop. And your take was how Canada hockey still has like an old school mindset and the way they preach about defensive and being a defensive liability is yeah. to play the safer way. Europe um, is fast. Europe is Yeah, and we and we see that with players. the way Team Canada is is they they pick the more conservative, the more the safer defenseman. Yes. Um which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but well, I mean they're going to they're going to have not, to adapt. But, but look, at, some look point. at they're some they're telling people to play the safe way while uh, Finland and Sweden they're saying, "No, play like Victor Hedman, rush the puck." Yeah, play like play like I think Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman were the two that yeah. really front ran the Swedish defenseman program because we're seeing all these great puck-moving defensemen yeah. now coming out of Sweden. Um, so back to this year's draft. So And then other than Jack Hughes, the other front runner is Capo Kako from Finland. Great name, best name in this draft. Um, and he's following on the heels of Patrick Laine and Jesperi Kotkaniemi and uh, looking like another special, special talent for the Finns. Yes. And... Uh, Jack Hughes has long been ranked the number one prospect eligible in this draft, but Sam Cosentino, I think, uh, rumbled things a little bit and put Capo Caco at number we, one in his latest ranking. We talked about it off air, and Capo Caco is most likely more ready for the NHL um, sooner than Hughes, but long-term Hughes will be um, the better player. But we talked about recency bias and McDavid Matthews going uh, first overall and first overall again. Um, I think people ex- are expecting Hughes. I think he's going to be unbelievable player. I don't think he's a generational talent uh, to the same magnitude that we've seen Matthews or McDavid be. And I think we should no I, pump, I, I, pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I don't just think a that's bit. a bit of a reach to suggest that. But um, I saw... I'm trying to think. Corey Pronman, um, who writes for The Athletic, is has offered a lot of insight on Jack Hughes, as has Manny Elk, who run or formerly now ran Corsica. Corsica, yeah. Um, he developed, he's an underrated follow. He just kind of he's a weird so tweeter. good, so good. He but uh, good stuff. over the past year, he's done a lot of uh, prospect ranking and a lot of work on analytics for prospects, including something he calls NHL E Score, which he uses to determine prospects, and he ranked. Um, out of notable first-round prospects, I think he ranked it McDavid, Matthews, Eichel, Hughes, and then, or sorry, Heashear. No, Hughes, then Heashear. That's what it was. That was the five. McDavid, Matthews, Eichel, Hughes, Heashear. Out of, like, notable top picks recently. So that gives you some more sort of indication not as good as uh, the first three, but better than Nico Heischer, who is 
very good hockey player. He's just going to talk about enough. No one talks about Nico Hischier. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's because the Devils been a crapshoot this year. Yeah. Um, if I can just jump in on the Kako Hughes discussion, I think the two of them are. I'm not saying they're extremely close in uh, skill and caliber, but I think they're close enough where teams can comfortably consider taking either or drafting, picking for position. Yeah. Well, as Sam Cosentino so, says in here. Um, there is some thought that Kako could play center, and if the team picking yeah, well, first changes. believes that, he may very well bypass Jack Hughes. So yeah, I like I think if strictly uh, Kako's playing right wing and Hughes is playing center, if I were Vancouver, I would take Kako. Um, I'd love really? to see. Yeah, I I'd, I'd love to see um, probably Horvat, Kako, Pedersen, Besser. That look but pretty nice. At the end of the day, do you draft for position? Or do you draft I'm, based but on what I think when it's that when it's that close, I'm is it's it like close a... enough where you can draft for position? Okay. And, and I usually, that's fair. That's fair. I usually don't like to draft for position. I usually say draft the best player possible, but I think it's close enough with these two where take whatever yeah. is and it's I, all relative to your team. I also think it's not as detrimental to a team as people suggest. Um players fall, players climb all the time. Um we're seeing it. I think if Vancouver was to make a positional pick, it doesn't it's not a knock on the player. So Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, but then he wrote for Jack Hughes, if, and if this is a big if, he is a consolation prize, it will be like winning the lottery. So I think this was more so of a total clickbait move from Sportsnet and Sam Cosentino. Not to undermine them at all, but I think, um, for me, I think, I've been on the Capo Caco bandwagon since the beginning of this year. I said I was hoping, and I think there was a chance that he was going to catch Jack Hughes. But I still think at this point in time, just based on position and Hughes being a little bit younger, it's probably better to draft Jack Hughes at this point for me. Um, One player that's starting to climb a bit. Now, the biggest part of this draft that is getting um, debate is uh, who exactly is going to go in the third spot. So Put skulls in, wasn't it? It's pretty... The draft's pretty open after those first two. So I really like, uh, I mentioned him before, Corey Pronman, how he ranks his talent. So I've got a quote here from one of his articles about how he breaks down talent. So he says, I split players into tiers that will be seen throughout this feature. Here's how you should interpret them. Special prospects, elite prospects, high-end prospects, very good prospects, and then first-round prospects. So he does essentially five tiers of players. And uh, so obviously he, uh, I think Capo and Capo Caco and Jack Hughes are your special talents for this one. And then after that, that three to seven range is sort of a crapshoot of elite prospects because they're all moving around here. I've got a website here that compiles the list of eight different uh, prospect evaluators and each one of them are sort of moving. It's a different rearrangement of that three to seven range for each one of them, which is really interesting. So I think it's sort of like last year, and it's going to be a what does each team really need because Montreal obviously climbed for the centerman, caught Kanyemi at three. Ottawa wanted more NHL-ready, yeah. big body. They went for Kachuk. And then Quinn Hughes ended up falling to Vancouver. But Quinn Hughes could very well have gone third. number three. Yeah, I had him at three. Right. But I don't think it was as much of a reach as people suggest. No, it, it, and I think over time people are starting to like kind of get rid of that narrative because it's Yeah, can we just we're gonna focus on Sorry. We're not gonna focus on the Habs. Pat. Sorry. Pat, stop. 
the, every show is the Yesberry Kotkaniemi <laughs> show. It's, we have that debate once once a week. But um, Vasily Podkolzin from uh, from uh, Russia. Sorry, I stumbled a bit there. Um, he's starting to get a lot of recognition, being a very NHL ready talent. Um, most prospect evaluators say the only knock on him right now is his strength. But to quote uh, Corey Pronman here, there are no other holes in his game, apparently. So I think he's that sort of very you similar. Of someone who's pretty good other than his strength and size? Elias strength Patterson. and size is an overrated attribute. That yeah, I for sure. I think, I think we're sort of seeing a big drift away from that. Now. No, and it's true. It's a praise of Pedersen. Yeah. I think Elias Pedersen's done a great job of sort of shifting that narrative. Um, All right. Cam Robinson who is another very good one for Dauber Prospects. Uh, I know our buddy Kyle Cushman is a big fan of his. He has Dylan Cozens at number three, which is, again, it's just another variation of it. Dylan Cozens is, uh, he's having a really good draft year. He's all the way from uh, Whitehorse, so that's that's pretty fun to see, in my opinion. He plays for uh, Lethbridge, 84 points in 68 games this year, so... He's been a quick riser um, as well here. Let me just bring back up my list. Let's see who else they've got up there. Bowen Byram. That's the yeah. other one. That's the other one yeah. that people have. He's right climbed up there. a lot lately. Bowen Byram. And also in that consideration range is Kirby Dak. And let's see. Larry Fisher here has uh, Philip Broberg in that consideration. I don't know much about Broberg. He climbed a little bit. He was projected more at the 20th range, but he's climbed. He was top five, but I think he's now closer to the top 10 Yeah, uh, left-handed defenseman. I think he's Swedish. Uh, again, yeah, for me, the most intriguing. But again, this three to seven range that we're talking about, I think it's usually the most intriguing part of the draft. I think it was really intriguing to watch last year, how everything really shook up. And I think it's going to be cool to watch this year. The biggest climber I've seen so far is uh, Cole Cowfield. So he is another player from the fantastic United States. Craig Button had a had program. a take on him on hockey. Uh, that's hockey. Yep, he's scoring at an unbelievable rate at this point. Yeah, he's got um, fifty two goals in fifty three games. Yeah. Pretty pretty impressive stuff. He had a uh, I think it was a was it a six goal game? Was it a five or six goal game last week? And that really popped the attention for everybody. Corey Pronman again was at that game. And he said it was one of the most unbelievable single-handed junior performances he had ever seen. So he's quickly starting to rise on everybody. I think he was sort of in that 20 to 25 range to begin the year. And I think he's slowly climbing. I think by the time it's all said and done, he's going to get some top 10 consideration. That's a player if um, Ottawa has the chance with that Columbus first-round pick, sort of that mid-first round, if he's still there that I think they should absolutely be jumping on. I think every team is learning now from that Alex Dabrinkit. Um, these players that just put the pucks in the net in junior hockey or um, prior to being drafted into the NHL, I like you can't pass on these guys yeah. anymore. Yeah, Everybody so, knew Alex Dabrinkit was going to be a good scorer. Too. Yeah, I don't want to talk happened. about it. Yeah, Let's talk pools. Um, yes, that's above ground that. pools, in ground, like heated, not heated. Yeah, big, um, uh, big in ground guy. Yeah, oh, no. yeah, I think in ground is probably better. <laughs> um, yeah, I got Pat. Do you have like a top five here? I've got a top I five. I have a top five. Eh, okay, no particular order. Um, I have Montreal, Chicago, Florida, Carolina, 
and I would throw Ottawa in there as well. I didn't cover all of those. Luke, um, if you want Vancouver, to, you're giving me a look. But you just like say them just to. Not, okay, so I'm going to talk about Florida a little bit. Owen Tippett, um, a 10th round pick in 2017, playing for Mississauga right now in the O, has 75 points in um, 60 games. He was going to play in the uh, World Junior Showcase, um, but he had undisclosed injury and wasn't able to. Um, his goal total jumped from 15 to 44, and I think people underestimate how good of a shot he has. He has an NHL ready shot. Um, I'm not sure about his speed. I haven't seen him play too much um another one who uh a good friend of mine rain hernandez gave me a little bit of a talking point to talk about was alexei heponiemi he's a center um a right winger as well he was a second round pick i think it was 39th 40th overall um and he's in karpat i don't know if i'm saying that right uh liga in finland and he has 46 points and 50 games highly skilled unbelievably fast great hands and then sort of the knock on him is his lack of size i feel like anyone who's under six feet kind of gets a bad reputation and they're sort of and they should they're no they shouldn't and they're labeled as as unsure as to how they will develop um and i think over time with the more modern gms we're seeing that narrative crash which i think is a good thing um and he dominated the u18 with six points in four games um so i think florida has has some players in their system chicago as well and i feel like in terms of chicago i think people kind of label them as as only top heavy defensively which is true yeah it's very true but don't i wouldn't underestimate their forwards that's the thing like evan barrett is very solid i really liked his game uh in the world juniors and then yeah i i'm a big fan of henry yoki haru defenseman obviously yeah. and uh, i think he's going to be a pretty good talent it was smart of them not to move him at any point for immediate help because that would have been very foolish um my top five in order is philadelphia st louis Ottawa, Tampa Bay, and Carolina, with honorable mentions because I think they're all close to the New York Rangers, Colorado Avalanche because they're about to add a very special talent, very likely, and the Winnipeg who's Jets. Pick, whose pick is that? Uh, um, who their, doesn't have a... It's not oh, their pick. The Ottawa Senators. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Great. Thank you for uh, that reminder. Again, I had a recent debate with somebody who said uh, they weren't convinced about Winnipeg after their cap crunch that's going to be inevitable um, because this person uh, quoted as saying uh, they didn't have enough in the pipeline, but I think anytime you can throw Christian Veselin and Sami Niku, uh, Michael Spotcheck into an NHL lineup uh, in the next couple of years, I think you're going to do just fine. I think those are all, they're all pretty any, high-end players. Any honorable mention to Montreal? No, no bias? No. No, I... I it's oh, Ryan Suzuki and Nick Suzuki. Uh, yeah. Or sorry, Nick, Nick sorry. Suzuki. I, Ryan's I projected another Nick, one. Yeah, sorry. Nick Suzuki and uh I don't know. I don't know that much else about there's nothing else Josh really Brooks. Yeah, again, I think these are like overrated Habs prospects. Everyone thinks their own prospects are better than they actually are. Um I, I can I can uh, talk about the Vancouver Canucks for uh, 30 seconds well, here. All you yeah, go for it. Um Jack Hughes. No, Quinn Hughes is skating in Vancouver, hopefully getting a few games in soon. I'm not super, 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 super excited, not banking on anything. Um, I don't know. I think maybe there's a bit too much hype about that. Thatcher Demko, um, he's been playing a few games. Um, he has a 3-3-1-0 and 
0893 with Vancouver this year, which isn't incredible. But Markstrom is on contract for one more year, which I think is perfect. Uh, Demko should be good to go for 2021. I really like that timing. Oliu Alevi, 13 points in 18 games with Utica this year. Um, had knee surgery in December, and what I thought was funny when I was kind of reading about this, Jim Benning, GM, said on December 3rd, and I quote, he doesn't need surgery. December 18th, he had surgery. Um, give him one more year, and then I think consider him a bust. I have one quick point as an underrated prospect. Within Montreal's pipeline, Caden Primo, uh, seventh-round pick, an absolute steal as he was not projected to be the starter for USA and totally took over, and he was dominant. And right now, for Northeastern University, he has a 9.36 yeah. save percentage. I think their goal, in terms of goaltending, they're set. Uh, Lindgren, McNiven, Primo. I think people underrate their prospects. At, I, th- I think it could, Michael McNiven, yeah. Okay, I I think I, you can't read into goalies too much for me because they're they're just like they develop so weird. But I think th- this has been a good chat on prospects, and I think we're uh, this is definitely something that we should be doing more of yes. towards the end of the season here. Um, because obviously the draft lottery is coming up. We'll probably have like a draft lottery episode. Yeah, I think um, before the end of the before the end of the semester here, we the- have two more shows. Oh really? Oh. Oh, that sucks. We have one on the day of the draft lottery, but before it happens, we don't yes, have one after. Because so. I'm not going to do the draft. Oh, that's so hurt. Okay, so we're going to have the draft lottery preview. I think we're going to announce okay, that. We're we'll going to we'll we'll run the simulator. Run we're the gonna simulator. Have, we're yeah, have, we'll just come in, run the simulator, and then Run the simulator for an hour. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah, we'll, probably, we'll, we'll have a big, uh, yeah, I guess, prospect show before then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That was good. Um, I wanted to touch on it quickly. We talked about it a lot in the player polls, uh, Drew Doughty's comments yesterday. That made news around the NHL. Uh, his specific comments regarding San Jose Sharks defenseman Brent Burns and Calgary Flames forward Matthew Kachuk. So, the quote on Burns is as followed. All you've got to do is watch one San Jose Sharks game, and you'll see Brent Burns get beat three times a game, literally, and everybody has him up for the Norris. I just don't get it. Anybody got thoughts on that i don't know it looks bad on uh drew Doughty to say that not only well just it's a blatant lack of respect and i don't know what i don't know nothing's gonna come I don't from think this. it's, it's, just, gonna, it's players, just gonna spark a debate but, no, but honestly like at, at this that... point in their season no la is not having a good year drew Doughty's having not a good terrible year a terrible year. year and that happens but i feel like I don't know. I think you need to keep your mouth shut, and I don't think you would see that from it, it's too many really other defensemen. It's a thing to say and at this point. I think especially in the situation Doughty's in right now yeah. after everything. Well, if you're he, a he's good, playing, good he's team playing replacement-level hockey yeah. right now. Like He is playing just over that. He's playing as good as a third-pairing defenseman yeah. right now, making $11 million, and I think for him to comment on a guy yeah. that rightfully is in the midst of that Norris Trophy way, or like race, I think that like it's ridiculous. Uh, the quote on Kachuk was a bit uh, funnier. No respect for him. None. I respect everyone else. I'll never talk to him off the ice. He's not respected by most of the people in the league. It's not just me. That's just a fact. I think it's hilarious that a player has gotten so far under Doughty's skin to piss him off that much. I think it's that's a, that says more well, about that. That's it. No, Kachuk's irritating, but that's his game. No, I agree. What is Doughty trying to say? Like, he doesn't hate, he doesn't, wait, he doesn't respect anyone? He doesn't He respect respects Kachuk. everyone else but him, but what does so, that do? What, there's nothing that comes from this. That doesn't that's, make any sense. That's, I don't, that he could say in perfect utility. It doesn't make any sense, and it's not. The only person in the league he doesn't respect is this young guy that, like, uh, no. Well, Kachuk had a nice response to it last night after the two of them played. They were sort of going at it during the game. Kachuk, or sorry, Doughty actually gave him a few whacks, and then when Kachuk asked him to fight, 
that did not happen. But Kachuk said after the game yesterday, I'll sleep like a baby. It doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't really surprise me. Doesn't doesn't not surprise me. It's just another day. I'll sleep like a baby and not worry about that type of stuff. I'll tell you that. So, bit of an interesting quote there from Kachuk. I like that response from him. I thought, uh, like, I like the fact that we're having, like, these weird player rivalries. I think it's good for the sport in general. Yeah, you um, see it, but a lot of times it's out of good fun. They say, yeah, like, I think, they respect the player within and to just blatantly say, I don't respect this player, it doesn't do anything. Um, yeah, I like, I just don't get the... Uh, Drew Doughty's whininess of the entire comment. It's a bit interesting. Um, real quick, as we we're running out of time, we we're going to talk about not the playoff matchup, but the playoff race. Um, the tighter one, not in the West, but in the East. Uh, yeah, as... He had to talk about yeah. Montreal. We'll, we'll no, 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 no. It's, it's the playoff it. race. Hey, there's three teams here, not just Black, Montreal. Up and let go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so as of right now, um, the race for that second wild card spot, um, Montreal has 88 points in, with 76 games played. Uh, Columbus has a game in hand. They have 86 points. Um, I think Carolina will run away with that first wild card spot. No doubt. Um, I think it's close it's between because Mon- of the storm surge. Without a without a doubt. Okay, that's for another storm episode. Surge, baby. That's for another episode. I don't want to talk about that. Don't get me going. I do. Uh, Special storm surge episode next week. <laughs> yeah. So. 88 points, 76 games. It'll be very close. I think Montreal has the tougher schedule. By and large, I the, saw Montreal has. I think, I think Columbus's it's, it's, talent should will them in. Yeah, no but I also Absolutely there's something should, there's something worth it. mentioning about bringing in a bunch of players last minute and saying here make it work. I think natural chemistry is more important, so it'll be close. But I think Montreal, hot take maybe not, will get that second wild card spot. We will see. Have and fun with that. A little bit of stuff. Time. Yes. Um, all right, so that does it for this week's episode of Take to Take. Uh, like we said, in two weeks, probably we're going to retouch again on the prospect topic. And we'll also have a special uh, simulator surge. run episode and storm surge run that day. We'll Viking skull clap the entire time. 